Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to share with you a three-step strategy that you can implement yourself uh, to invest in the share market. I often get asked by people, you know, particularly whether it's uh, investing on behalf of children um, or you know, a young person just starting out wanting to make some investments, um, uh, ranging through to you know someone that wants to invest significant amounts in the in the share market. I often get asked about, well, what's the best way to go about doing it? Uh, well, the reality is that it's never been easier. It's never been so simple and never been so low cost to invest in the share market. Um, and it is very easy to do it as if you know what you're doing, of course. Um, but by the same token, it's equally easy uh, to completely mess it up as well. So uh, what I wanted to do is uh, share this podcast today to sort of take you through what are the three steps uh, that you need to follow in order to do it right. Uh, and in the long run, certainly over the long run, uh, generate some uh, potentially significantly impactful financial outcomes for yourself. Of course, uh, this podcast, like every podcast, uh, it's general information only. Um, I don't know your circumstances. I don't know your risk profile. I don't know your goals. I don't know anything about you. Uh, so, of course, whether this strategy is appropriate for you, uh, only you can, uh, I guess, make that uh, assessment. Um, and uh, often people will need uh, independent financial advice uh, to help with that assessment also. So just be careful uh, with respect to uh, blindly going away and implementing this strategy without considering whether it's appropriate for yourself. All right, then let's jump into the three steps. So the first step is you need to choose your investment methodology or your investment approach, if you like. Uh, and when it comes to investing in the, share, in the share market, I think there's really three broad options available to people. Uh, the first one is to invest in direct shares. So that's really picking the stocks that you'd like to buy, uh, knowing when to buy them, how much to buy, uh, and also potentially when to when to sell them, when to divest of them. The second option is to employ the services of a professional to do that stock picking on your behalf. And that could come in the form of uh, engaging with a, a stockbroker so they can make uh, share recommendations uh, and build a portfolio for you or a more traditional approach, which is using an active funds manager um, to build a portfolio, uh, which is a, a lot less uh, kind of hands-off than the stockbroker option. And the final uh, option is to invest in low-cost index funds, which can really probably um, very roughly be described as a, a rules-based approach to picking which stocks to invest in, if you like. Uh, Regular listeners to this podcast will know that I strongly believe in only employing evidence-based investment approaches, uh, and there is an overwhelming amount of evidence that demonstrates that index investing has the greatest probability of generating the highest returns over the long run, or to put that differently, uh, there's overwhelming evidence that picking stocks, whether it's using a professional to do that or you doing it yourself, is highly unlikely to generate good results over long term. Uh, everyone likes to talk about their stock picking winners, uh, few like to talk about the, the losers, and virtually no direct share investors 
measure their overall investment returns. Which, And I would underline that comment because we can all sit there and go, oh, yeah, I've done pretty well. My portfolio is okay. But do you benchmark your returns? And do you think about the opportunity cost? So if you took a different approach, where would you be today? Well, virtually no one does that. So... Uh, well, at least I haven't in 20 years come across an investor that that, that uh, measures their percentage returns at the portfolio level, which includes not only the stocks they currently hold, but the ones that they've sold during the year. Uh, and that's incredibly important to do. Uh, if you want to learn more about you know a low-cost indexing passive management approach, um, there is a link to a, another blog sl- uh, slash podcast in the show notes, but also uh, grab a copy of my book, uh, Investopoly, which is probably, you know, my, well, not probably, definitely my favorite book uh, that I've written over the years, my favorite child, if you like. Um, some people are attracted to investing in shares uh, because uh, they want a bit of fun. You know, they want to have a bit of fun with it. Um, they think it's exciting to pick a winning stock. Uh, and potentially generate, you know, multiple times returns, three, four, five times returns. And there's no better example of that, you know, that, that attraction, I guess, particularly during COVID period, uh, where people are being bored and locked up and looking for things to do with their spare cash. Uh, there's no better example than GameStop in the in the US or any other sort of meme stocks that um, you, we've seen massive volatility with. So, but I must remind you or counsel you that really the, the core purpose of investing is to build wealth. It's not to have fun. Uh, don't dare have fun with it. <laughs> so, in fact, I think, you know, investing, if done properly, tends to be relatively boring, let's be honest. Um, you know, playing the long game and waiting 20 years to generate ridiculous returns uh, isn't an overnight success. It's not particularly exciting. Uh, that said... Uh, I don't think uh, though the outcomes of taking uh, a rules-based approach uh, are not exciting. I think uh, I think the the results can be very exciting. Uh, you just might need to wait a, a few decades to uh, to realise that. Okay, so let's get on to the second uh, step then, uh, which is now that you've uh, decided to implement an indexing methodology. Uh, and if you haven't, by the way, you better go back and reread my book or keep thinking about it because you haven't got the right answer yet. Uh, so assuming you've you've said, yes, Stuart, let's go indexing, um, uh, what I strongly recommend people do is use uh, diversified products uh, to make these investments. So diversified products will have uh, uh, exposure to a variety of sub-asset classes in just one ETF exchange-traded fund, so just one investment. So with that one investment, you can get exposure to the Australian share market, international share market, emerging markets, bonds, and potentially even smaller company investments as well. Um, And the asset allocation, so how much is in Australian, how much is international and so forth, is professionally managed by the product manufacturer. So you don't need to worry about, you know, how much do I need to put in the US market now that the US market is high, for example. Leave that to the professionals. That's a really important decision, asset allocation is. Uh, Leave it to the professionals, Keep it nice and simple, uh, and you just need to invest in sort of one uh, diversified product. Uh, so in Australia, there's two ETF providers that um, market diversified products. Uh, Vanguard, which is the largest index provider in the world, it's a not-for-profit business. So its fees reduce over time as it gets more scale and efficiency and so forth. Uh, and I've included links in the show notes to two of their diversified uh, ETFs. 
the ticker codes are VDGR and VDHG, uh, which is uh, growth and high growth in terms of uh, asset allocation. So the growth has 70% invested in shares and 30 in bonds, whereas the high growth has 90 in shares and 10 in bonds. Um, the other provider in Australia is BetaShares, uh, a provider, oh, I use both these providers a lot, uh, and they've got a, a diversified product that's 100% into shares, uh, and the ticker code is DHHF uh, for that one. Uh, also, there are some ethical investment options as well that BetaShares markets, um, again, one that has 70% in shares and one that has 90% in shares. Uh, and uh, ethical means they just screen out um, companies that are large carbon dioxide emitters. So, so you know, avoiding those fossil fuels. Uh, so if that's, you know, if you're keen to um, implement a sort of ethical approach, uh, they're good ones to use. Uh, you might be sitting there thinking, well, Stuart, I want to invest in shares, maybe not so much bonds, particularly while bonds are paying low yields at the moment. Um, I would say, I would caution you with respect to that. Bonds play a very important role in a portfolio uh, because they create negative correlation with shares. So we can't just look at bonds and go, oh, well, bonds are, are, are ridiculously low now. Uh, we've got to play that long game and know that everything moves in cycles. Uh, and there will be a time over the next 10 years where you will regret not having bond exposure. Probably, you know, there's a, a good chance of that happening. Uh, the BetaShares products are relatively new. Most of them uh, were launched in December 2020. So, you know, really, um, what is that, maybe eight months, nine months ago. Uh, however, Vanguard's funds have a much longer track record. Uh, so they were in a sort of managed fund form since 2002 uh, and only recently converted to an ETF form. But it's exactly the same product just now offered as an ETF, an exchange-traded fund. And I've got links to the show notes, uh, links to those returns in the show notes to the podcast, obviously on the blog, on the website. Um, but essentially, the, both those products have generated uh, returns of uh, over 10% uh, compounding each year uh, over the last 10-year period. So really good returns uh, from those diversified products. Uh, there's nothing to suggest that beta shares won't perform uh, similarly uh, because they're, they're still indexing type products. Um, they just don't have that long track record. Uh, in terms of how to invest in ETFs, uh, well, if you're going to use uh, the Vanguard uh, ETFs, then you could use Vanguard's personal investor service, which is just an online uh, share trading platform that allows you to buy or invest in uh, Vanguard ETFs. And you can do that for only $9 a trade. That's super cheap um, and really low cost. Uh, if you want to use the BetaShares products, then you're going to need a retail share trading platform uh, such as Comsec or, or the like. Again, it's not expensive. Uh, you know, share trading is, is no longer expensive anymore. So really that step two is really pick the product. You know, which product now you've got. The, step one is methodology. Step two is product. And step three, arguably one of the more important ones, is implementation. So this means how do you practically go about investing in the share market? Well, the first thing we need to recognise is that the share market can be highly volatile. So in terms of returns that you should expect from the share market, two-thirds of the time, uh, your annual returns are going to be somewhere between negative 10% and positive 30%. Uh, and 95% of the time, your returns are going to be between negative 30 uh, and positive 60. Now, of course, they're big ranges, but that just 
uh, demonstrates that how volatile shares can be. And so uh, what you should do then is uh, spread your timing risk. So to reduce your timing risk. And timing risk is really just investing in the share market at the wrong time. You know, if you invest in the share market, say, at the start of March, uh, and then COVID hit last year, uh, you know, you end up losing 30% of your investment. Now, of course, that's bounced back relatively quickly uh, if you had the fortitude to hang in there. But um, still, you've got to think about that timing risk. So therefore, the best thing to do is to invest over a long period of time in small tranches, you know, each month or each quarter or so forth. And then that just allows you to spread that timing risk. So as you can imagine, if you did that throughout last year and you started in March, uh, well, that's okay because you could have averaged down. You know, when the market dropped, you buy some more. And then as it starts to recover, you keep buying on the way back up. Uh, and you've averaged down your entry cost and you've done really well. Whereas uh, compared to a person that just made a big lump sum investment in March, uh, they've done uh, substantially worse as a result of that kind of timing risk. Uh, the benefit of a, share, a regular share investing strategy uh, is that you can dial that amount up or down each month, you know, depending on a change in circumstances, change in interest rates, income, those sorts of things. Uh, and also, if the market, um, you know, has some substantial volatility, you know, if it drops 40%, well, it's a great opportunity to make a, a much higher lump sum investment or, or regular investment uh, during that period uh, to take advantage of the market volatility. So there's two other considerations with respect to implementation. The first one is ownership. Uh, so if you have a spouse, you can obviously own uh, the shares in one spouse's name or you can put it in joint names or you could use a, a family trust. Uh, so they're typically your options in terms of ownership. Um, and I've got a link in the show notes to a presentation I did last year that takes people through um, what are family trusts, how to use them, what are the benefits, so forth. Again, links in the show notes and on the blog on the website. So you need to think about uh, ownership and something to speak to your holistic accountant about. Uh, the last one is gearing. Uh, so it's it's possible, depending on your you know your goals, circumstances, risk profile, those sorts of things. Uh, it's possible that using some borrowings to increase your monthly investment uh, might be a prudent thing to do. So, for example, if you had three grand a month that you wanted to invest in the share market. Well, you could go and get an investment loan, you know, a mortgage uh, secured by your home or an investment property and just draw uh, another $3,000 each month out of that mortgage so that you're investing uh, $6,000 in total, um, but you've only got a 50% gearing rate. Uh, so pretty conservative gearing, plus also because you're using a home loan, um, you, don't, you're not, you don't have any sort of margin calls or any of that sort of risk. Again, it's not for everyone, really depends age and stage of life and goals, but um, it gives you flexibility to, um, you know, uh, boost your investment amount to, to some extent. Now, what results can you expect if you implement a regular share strategy? Now, I'm going to share with you, or actually there's a link in the show notes and blog on the website, uh, to a, a model that I built that allows you to put in a monthly investment amount and it will backtest to say, well, if you started 20 years ago, what results would have you achieved? And if you hold it for 30 years, what are the outcomes? And, and it's pretty extraordinary, really. Uh, so you can, uh, you can go and have a play with that uh, model. Uh, obviously, it's just an Excel spreadsheet, but, um, and it uses historic data. But 
Um, to give you an example, what I did is I tested to say, well, if you started back in 2001, so 20 years ago, investing $3,000 a, a month, uh, well, if you did that today, your portfolio would be worth $1.8, over $1.8 million. Um, and that consists really of uh, $720,000 of your contributed capital over that 20-year period, plus $1.1 million of um, investment earnings. And in fact, if you continued for another 10 years, so if you kept going from today uh, through to 2031, uh, your portfolio would be worth 4.6. So you can see really that extra 10 years, that extra decade makes a massive um, uh, impact. The 4.6 uh, portfolio really consists of a million dollars of contributions plus uh, uh, 3.6 million dollars of, of growth. Pretty incredible results, albeit over a 30-year period. Now, the thing I like the most, as you'll see from the chart, uh, you'll, see, you'll be able to find the chart on the blog on the website, um, uh, the chart that I've used is that it starts in 2001 and really between 2001 and 2008, because of the GFC that occurred in 2008, the investor that implemented this strategy would have achieved zero returns. So it really shows that sometimes you can do all the right things, you know, employ a evidence-based approach, have the discipline to you know, invest on a monthly basis, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes uh, these strategies don't work in the short term and, you know, eight years or seven years over that period of time um, isn't particularly short, but, you know, th this can happen. Um, but the investor that stuck with it for that full 20-year period was well, well rewarded for doing so. So I like this chart. I like this period of time in which I've uh, completed the analysis because whilst the overall return, which has been over 8% compounding over the 20-year period, generates some good outcomes, but we get to see that it doesn't always work uh, in the shorter term. And really, we need to stick with an investment strategy for multiple decades for us to really enjoy the, the, the financial benefits of doing so. Uh, so again, uh, link in the show notes and blog on the website for you to be able to download the spreadsheet. Uh, change the monthly investment amount and do some projections for yourself to work out, you know, what would have the results been 20 years ago, if I started 20 years ago? Um, and it will give you, you know, give you an idea what to expect um, in the future if, if you implement this strategy. Now, as I said, it's a very simple strategy and one that you can implement yourself. Um, however, the more you invest, the greater the scope there is for a financial advisor to help you. So if you're investing relatively small amounts, you don't need to go and pay for financial advice. I would suggest most of the information that's contained in this podcast and blog uh, will be more than enough for you to go away and implement a share investing strategy. But of course, if you're investing uh, substantially more, then uh, you know that there's uh, some opportunity cost uh, with, with perhaps simplifying it too much. And there's really several ways that a financial advisor could add value in a, in a regular share investing strategy. Uh, the first one is one of the downsides to these uh, diversified options is they tend to generate or distribute too much growth. So for example, we had a look over the last five years, the growth option returned 9.3%, uh, um, but 7% of that was in terms of uh, income and only 2.3% was growth. And obviously income is taxed each year, whereas growth is not taxed until we sell the investment. 
So for if you invest in small amounts, it's not a big deal. But the more you invest, obviously, the greater the tax consequences. Uh, and there's greater scope then for a financial advisor to structure a portfolio um, in, a, in a way that's going to achieve better tax outcomes. Uh, and obviously, the less tax you pay, the more you have to reinvest and the, the more impactful that strategy will be. Uh, the second uh, observation is that diverse, those diversified investment options that I've mentioned, they only use traditional market cap indexing. Now, I've written about the limitations of traditional market cap indexing before. Uh, again, I've got a link uh, to that blog uh, in the show notes. Um, but the more money you invest, the more important it is to use a variety of rules-based in- indexing strategies and I'd say particularly in this market where there's some some risk in some geographical segments. Um, and so by way of update, the two alternative strategies, uh, indexing strategies that I use, um, outperformed last year. So fundamental, fundamental indexing uh, outperformed by 4.5% and dimensional indexing uh, outperformed by 4% over the last uh, financial year just gone and in 2021. Um, now, of course, longer term uh, uh, returns that I mentioned in that blog are, are more reliable. But just to give you an idea of, you know, what the limitations are with respect to traditional market cap indexing and how can, they can underperform over relatively long periods of time. Some of the data I've put in that blog is over a 20 year period. And finally, um, that the third uh, factor where a, an advisor can add value is they can construct an investment portfolio that's tailored to your specific needs and risk profile. So, for example, some for some investors, capital preservation is more important than investment returns. And I would say that's obviously particularly people that uh, are in retirement. Uh, not all people, but some people that are in retirement. So investing in safer assets, but not bonds, because bonds aren't uh, generating much in the way of returns, or at least not as much in bonds, uh, can be important for those investors. And so for the people in that situation, those diversified products uh, are necessarily going to be appropriate. Um, and also there's some investors that are willing to take higher risk and kind of skew their portfolios towards sub-asset classes or geographical markets that are positioned to provide sort of much better returns over the the medium to longer term. So taking a little bit of more strategic and aggressive approach. So it's difficult to sort of come up with a rule of thumb, but I reckon in my view, if you're investing, say, more than three to $5,000 a month, or your existing portfolio, its value exceeds, say, around 400000 uh, then I think if, you, if you're in this sort of range, I think you probably benefit from uh, engaging an independent financial advisor uh, to manage your portfolio on an ongoing basis. But if you're below those amounts, uh, then it's probably appropriate for, um, or, or not necessary, I should say, for uh, using an advisor. Notwithstanding, obviously, there, there could be lots of other things that the advisor could help you out with in terms of advice. So there you go. There's the simple share investing uh, strategy for you. Um, you know, the chart that I've uh, drawn and, and uh, I've got a link uh, to, to obviously the Excel model um, really demonstrates that investing a monthly amount over long periods of time can generate substantial wealth. Um, and the strategy is, is, is a lot more flexible and lower risk than, say, borrowing to invest, which is, you know, typically a property investment strategy. 
um, because you can dial up or down the investment amount and you don't have any interest rate exposure. And there's really never been uh, a time when this strategy has been easier and more cost effective to implement. So it's certainly worthy of some consideration. Well, that's it for me for now. Until next week. Bye for now. Cheers.